Harrison Ford goes left, way left. The White House Coke, yeah, okay. And Google privacy, back in the news again. It's changing. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. That's me. And uh, thank you for popping in. And I uh, really do appreciate you being here. Please, if you wouldn't mind, just take a second, hit that follow button right over there. It really helps the show out a lot. Costs you nothing. Easy to do. Just give it a click and you're done. And uh, thank you for that. We really, really do appreciate it. All right. We also really, really appreciate our favorite furry little friend, Miko. And the Miko update. Miko's our three-and-a-half-plus-year-old little Shiba Inu baby. This was her out for her walk. And uh, yeah, it's a very long lead. I know. Somebody said to me, Diane said to me, um, you're, you're giving her too much leash. I, I don't it's one of those retractable things so unless there's something around i usually kind of let her go her own way give her kind <clears> of <throat> enough leash to take off and head out around but uh she loves posing for the camera so she didn't eat for 24 hours remember i told you yesterday she wouldn't eat finally tonight she ate her food from yesterday so <laughs> i don't know what the hell's going on with this dog but you know, she's always got kibbles to graze on, and the wet food we give her, she eats when she eats. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Hey, our, bar, our uh, Miko update brought to you by BarkBox.com slash Miko, M-I-K-O. If you want that special deal, this is it. You get a free extra month with a multi-month subscription. Every month, delivered right to your door, the amazing themed box of treats and toys for your dog. He or she will love it, I promise you, whatever your dog's pronouns are. And, uh, yeah, they get uh, two toys, two bags of uh, all-natural treats, Bags of treats, two of them, and a uh, a dog chew. Every month delivered right to your door. And if you use our special link, BarkBox.com slash Miko, M-I-K-O, you will get a free month when you sign up for a <clears throat> multi-month subscription. 100% happiness guarantee. If you are ever not happy with something at BarkBox.com, they will make sure you are happy, no matter what. These are great folks at BarkBox. We really do appreciate them being here and helping out to sponsor the show. All right, let's jump. By the way, yeah, I heard from a couple people. They were disappointed I missed 1984 last night. We had too many conspiracy theories. We filled up a whole hour. So uh, I promise you we will get to it tonight. We will absolutely continue on with this enormous Chapter 17. All right. Harrison Ford and the left and very left. It, this, this is an old story. But I had, you know, I know he's Hollywood. He's an actor. He's Hollywood royalty. He's been around forever. So, of course, he's got Ozies. Of course, he's involved in all the usual Hollywood conspiracies that everybody talks about. But... This I did not know. You know the Lincoln Project, that ridiculous leftist, basically anti-Trump group. That's all that they do. They are the the worst case of Trump derangement syndrome I've ever seen in a collective. Well, Harrison Ford teamed up with the Lincoln Project for a video that backed Fauci. 
that criminal, who belongs nowhere but in prison for the rest of his life, after Trump sacking threat, mm, on the eve of election day in the U.S., last election, the Lincoln Project released a series of anti-Trump videos starring Mark Hamill from Star Wars uh, and Harrison Ford. They were a last-minute appeal to voters from the Political Action Committee, basically an anti-Trump group, uh, run by a former Republican. Tweet followed, uh, videos followed several in support of the rotting bag of coke-laden flesh in the White House, Joe Biden and his son, titled Fauci. The first video was voiced by Harrison Ford, where he talks about recent statements from President Trump against Fauci and the president's handling of the corona pandemic. Uh, is this, yeah, this is the one. Here, give, uh, let's see, are we on the right? Yes, we are. Okay, give a listen. Dr. Anthony Fauci has served as director for the National Institute ah, crap. of Diseases since 1984. He has served the American people tirelessly, uh -huh. honorably, and selflessly from Reagan to Bush to Clinton to Bush to Obama and now to Trump. Don't tell anybody, but let me wait till a little bit after the election. I appreciate the advice. I appreciate it. Tomorrow, you can fire only one of them. The choice is yours. I choose Fauci all day long, every day, every minute of every day. Unbelievable. Harrison Ford. Going to enjoy your Indiana Jones movie now? The clip shows uh, Trump, that, that clip of him was from him when he was in Florida, and all the rally was yelling, fire Fauci, because of all the lies he's told. Look, you don't have to search around on the internet for more than about five seconds, and you will find compilations where Fauci has lied time and time and time again, and as that little promo there just said, he's been doing it for many, many years. The Lincoln Project also released a separate video with Mark Hamill from Star Wars called Absentee. Uh, the actor narrates the history of absentee voting and calls the president's call for only ballots that come in by election day to be counted as tyranny. The signing of a Declaration of Independence Tyranny. The American Revolution, not for everyone, not by a long shot. Nearly a hundred years of elected leadership failed to right that wrong, and Americans went to war with ourselves to fix it. Never before had the truth been so clear. Elections have consequences. No kidding. It's for this reason that Union soldiers who lived and died by those consequences were able to vote despite being far from home. This was how absentee voting began. Sent from the bloody battlefields across the nation. 
Now, more than 150 years later, tyranny is looking for a new foothold. President Trump has called for the election to be decided on, and only on, those ballots that arrive by November 3rd. If he gets his way, many who cast absentee ballots will not have their vote counted. Well, he didn't get his way because what happened was the elections were completely rigged, as you know. And as has been in time and time again, proven. So there you go. Yeah, believe it or not, Hamill and Harrison Ford and, you know, I think we need to target and Bud Light these guys. I I am the biggest Indiana Jones fan. I love those movies. I have watched them again and again and again. I have not yet watched the new one. After this, you know, it kills me. Although I've heard the reviews and they're not all that great. I think it's a somewhat woke film, ridiculously so. But thanks, Disney, for ruining my franchise. But, you know, the more I hear about it and then about reading this article, which I hadn't totally not been aware of that happened just before our last, literally 24 hours before our last election. um, I'm just not so sure I'm going to go see it for a variety of reasons, but this would be the big one. Yeah. I, and I, uh, look, I can't tell you what to do. You do you, but mm, it's going to, man, it's going to kill me not to see it, but I'm not sure I'm going to. If I do, I'll be honest with you. I'll tell you I did, but uh, maybe I'll just wait until I can watch it for free. If you know what I mean. I don't know. I would never do that. All right. Brownstone Institute is our next story. And this one should not surprise anybody. Speaking of Fauci, the CDC altered Minnesota death certificates that list a COVID vaccine as a cause of death. Yep. Someone who apparently needs to remain anonymous was able to obtain the death certificates from Minnesota for all deaths that occurred from 2015 to the present, which presented the opportunity to see if the CDC is being entirely honest about the U.S. death data. Unsurprisingly, they're not. The CDC concealing references to the COVID vaccine on Minnesota's death certificates that are exceedingly rare to begin with because of widespread medical establishment denialism of vaccine adverse side effects. In almost every, almost 100% of the death certificates that identifies a COVID vaccine as the cause of death, the CDC committed data fraud by not assigning the ICD-10 code, which is for vaccine side effects, to the causes of death listed on the death certificate. That is your tax-funded CDC hard at work. Now, when somebody dies... 
there is a death certificate filled out for official purposes, legal purposes. They contain a ton of information. Some states even include, you know, more than others, including the cause of death, of course. Causes of death refer to the medical condition that ultimately resulted in some role in the demise of the person, the person's death. To qualify as a cause of death, a condition only needs to contribute to the medical decline of the deceased in some way. Just contribute. Doesn't have to be directly responsible for whatever ultimately killed the person. If somebody had high blood pressure and then suffered a heart attack that led to a cardiac arrest and that is what killed them, all three of those things, high blood pressure, cardiac arrest, um, heart attack would qualify as COD, cause of death. On the other hand, the unfortunate fellow's ingrown toenail would not be considered a cause of death because in no way, obviously, did it contribute to his death. Now, from the CDC's own guidance explaining how to properly fill out a cause of death on a death certificate, you don't need to understand the differences between cause A, B, etc. But you can see here, it's explained how to fill it out. The critical thing to keep in mind is the person filling out this form, this death certificate, writes a text description of the cause of death, but does not assign an ICD-10 code for the cause of death. Now, there's a fancy coding system which classifies thousands of uh, medical conditions that can play a role in someone's death. It's known as the International Classification of Diseases. For a few years, every few years, it's updated, revised, new medical bureaucracy crap. Uh, new conditions are discovered. Old conditions are reorganized. The current iteration of this ICD well, that was used for the deaths we're looking at is the ICD-10, which means it's the 10th version. Basically, a hierarchical classification system. Here it is. It's all laid out. This article's in our show notes if you want the details. There are codes for basically anything you can think of. Look at this. It goes on and on and on. Categories themselves, a code can be as long as seven characters long. Now, the code for COVID vaccine side effects. There are two. T88.1 and Y59.0. Other complications following immunization have their own classifications. And all of this is laid out. It's a brilliant article. I don't have time to go through everything, and it's very detailed. But you need to check it out. But basically, the Centers for Con Disease Control gets the death, death certificate and then applies the ICD-10 codes. In this case... COVID vaccine causal death was not listed when it got to the CDC. This article goes on and on. It is very, very damning for the Centers for Disease Control. 
Frankly, I'm surprised it even made it out there. But it's out there. We got it. And it's in our show notes. And you need to read it. All right. Mm. Remains of a decapitated goat found behind a New York Burger King. And the SPCA is describing it as ritualistic sacrifice. Now, frankly, because it's in New York, somehow I'm not surprised. It's still a weird and disgusting story. We're going to talk about that coming up in just a minute. Blackout Coffee brings you this amazing program because it is an amazing coffee that supports American values. Blackout Coffee founded on the principles of conservative values. The founders believe in the importance of hard work, personal responsibility, family, respect, and traditional American values. The best small batch fresh roasted coffee, and it's all done in-house. They source premium grade green coffee beans, specialty coffees grown at the perfect altitude, correct time of year, best soil, harvested at just the right moment, and they work with local co-ops. This is all American-made, and they do everything they can to support America, our values, our troops, our first responders. This company cares about two things, the USA and making a damn good cup of coffee. Blackout Coffee roasted packs shipped with lightning speed, 24 to 48 hours. That means you get the beans just days after they've been roasted. Premium coffee beans, highly controlled roasting process, and immediate shippers means you get delivered right to your door beans that are fresh roasted and make an amazing cup of coffee. Folks, get rid of that brown water crap you've been drinking. Put a real American cup of coffee in your hands from a real American company. And right now, use the link in our show notes. I think it's the top link in there. And you will get an incredible deal on this amazing company and amazing uh, coffee. (laughs) Also, we got your promo code at checkout. You just use the promo code J20, J-A-Y-20. You see it right there? Uh, That's for 20% off your first order. Try it. Just at least try a bag of these beans. I promise you, you will never go back to drinking whatever crap you're drinking now. Blackout Coffee, we got you a deal. We got you a great promo code, and you can check it out. Blackout Coffee, the link is in our show notes, and our promo code J20 at checkout will get you that uh, incredible deal. 20% off your first order. Blackout Coffee. Thank you, folks, over there. Really do appreciate all that you do, helping to support the show and helping to support the United States of America. Mm, good coffee. All right, the rema- this is from Blaze Media, weird story. I know. Uh, officials from the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals described a gruesome discovery in Farmingdale, New York, as a ritualistic sacrifice. The remains of two headless goats were found in black plastic bags behind a Burger King on Broad Hollow Road Thursday, according to the police. Detectives working with Suffolk County's SPCA said the other items found at the scene also support the idea of a ritualistic sacrifice. 
Uh, the chief of the SPCA, Roy Gross, they're offering a $2,000 reward for information leading to the arrest of whoever responsible for this. A barbaric act of animal cruelty for unjustifiably harming, mutilating, or killing, or in this case, all three, an animal. A photograph from Suffolk County SPCA showed the black plastic bags in a pile on a shaded grass area near what appeared to be a parking lot. Not the first time, apparently, that the SPCA has identified a bizarre discovery as ritual sacrifice back in 2022. They decried the discovery of the remains of five decapitated chickens, two decapitated goats, at a site near the Northern State Parkway. The decomposing remains discovered in that incident also found in black plastic bags. Fruits and vegetables also found in the bag. That site was in Melville, about five miles away from Farmingdale, where this latest incident with the goats happened. And uh, Gross is quoted as saying, all too many times these gruesome finds are discovered not only by adults, but occasionally, sadly, by children. These acts of violence must stop now. Now, what's going on? This is some satanic crap happening. But it is happening. It's happening more and more. The society we live in, my friends. All right, cocaine running all around my brain. Man, it's been a long time since I heard that song. Officials claim, get this, get this. I know you've heard about the cocaine in the White House story. I know you've heard about it. You can't turn on social media, news anywhere that you haven't heard about it. Now, mainstream media, legacy liars are all, you know, trying to cover up and saying, oh, it was found in the public area. It wasn't. It was not found in the public area. Know that. They have now said no. That was not a place where the public go. Officials now claim we may never know who left the coke at the White House. The White House, one of the world's, probably if not the world's, most secure building. There are cameras everywhere. I would doubt there is a square inch of that building that is not covered by Secret Service cameras. And let me guess, they were the same ones like Jeffrey Epstein? Maybe they just stopped working at that moment? Nobody, nobody from the public is going to get in the White House with a bag of Coke. You know what's really amazing? The story just simply happens that a bag of Coke was found in the White House. And what does 99.9% .9 of the public on social media say? It was Hunter's. Can you imagine being that much of a nudge? <laughs> now, the Secret Service have their own hazmat crew. They could have handled this completely in-house. So... Why did they call in the fire department's hazmat crew? Personal opinion? It was the only way to get the public to know what was going on. Because once they call in a public service, 
like the fire department and their hazmat crew, then you're going to get radio traffic. And you've heard, you may have heard the tapes going back and forth live over the radio between the emergency response team saying, oh, it's tested positive for uh, cocaine, hydrochloride, whatever. That's how this story broke because people heard the radio traffic. If this were all kept in the house with the seat, and you know what? I firmly believe that that was done on purpose. I think the Secret Service is fed up with this bullshit. I think they're done. If they kept this in-house, you never would have known it happened. They call 911. They bring in the hazmat team from the fire department. Suddenly, it becomes public. People know about it. I Seriously, I thought about this, and it makes perfect sense. Secret Service is done with these clowns. And this is one way for these stories to get out. They have that. You trust me. It's a Secret Service. You tell me they don't have way. They have ways to deal with everything including a bag of white powdery substance. Calling the fire department's hazmat team was a cry for help from the Secret Service. I'm telling you, that is absolutely a fact. Unbelievable when the Secret Service themselves have to reach out, huh? Mm. All right, get this one. Again, Blaze Media. Links in the show notes. Check it out. Allison Mack, the actress. She pled guilty in connection to sex trafficking. We've been talking a lot about that. Thankfully, it's in the top cycle of the news. And it won't hopefully go away very soon. Because the problem is not going away. Well, she is being released early from prison. Well, isn't that nice? There she is. The actress who pled guilty to charges in connection to the sex trafficking operation Nixvum has been released early from prison. According to the Federal Bureau of Prison Records, Allison Mack released from federal, federal prison in Dublin, California, near San Francisco Monday, a full year before her sentence was scheduled to conclude. She was sentenced for three years after she pled guilty back in 2021 to racketeering and racketeering conspiracy for her role in NXIVM. We'll just call it Nixvum. She joined the group in 2006. Uh, billed as a company offering seminars for personal development and self-improvement. They're based in Albany, and very soon considered a cult. By 2015, the founder, Keith Rainier, had formed an otherwise all-female subgroup within Nixon called DOS, D-O-S. Mac and other female leaders of DOS, known as first-line masters, recruited women to become sex slaves for Rainier. The women described as brainwashed, often branded with Rainier's initials, branded and blackmailed, nude photos of themselves, which they were forced to provide. Now, she cooperated in the investigation. She wound up with a three-year sentence, but she has just been released 
a year early. Well, isn't that nice? She was just running a sex trafficking cult, so, you know. Yeah, let her go. No big deal. All right, while we're on the subject, some really amazing news. If you haven't seen it yet, cannot encourage you enough to go see it. And that is the film we we promoted on this show a lot leading up to its release on the 4th of July. That is The Sound of Freedom. Well, the really good news is that The Sound of Freedom has whipped Disney's Indiana Jones ass with a record Fourth of July box office. At the, this report, July 5th, yesterday, they had a record $14 million. Indiana Jones, $11.5 million. There you go. Unbelievable. The Sound of Freedom, released nationally July 4th, launched to the number one movie in America, thanks to the pay-it-forward technology. Angel Studios distributed Sound of Freedom in the U.S. July 4th. On its first day, grossed over $14 million. The runner-up, Indiana Jones, reportedly brought in $11.5 million. Sound of Freedom Direct Sales brought in a $11.5 pay-it-forward model of patent-pending technology from Angel Studios. The movie bought an additional $2.6 million in ticket sales, which topped Indiana Jones. Some pre-release projections had the movie bringing in between 11 and 15 million over a six-day span. They cracked it in one day. Wow. Sound of Freedom, you have to have heard of this film. If you haven't, please look it up, watch the trailer, go see it. It's based on the uh, true story of a former government agent, Tim Ballard, who quit his job in order to avoid the bureaucracy surrounding the going overseas, rescuing children from human traffickers, pedophiles. Tells the story of him rescuing two children, a group of over 50 others, in the real mission. Ballard and his team actually saved 123 people. 55 of them were children. In the end, movie credits, a message appears with the actor in the movie who plays Ballard, Jim Cavazell. He started out saying the film was made several years ago, but had many roadblocks put in the way, as you can imagine, by others. He addresses the crimes, the horrors of the sex trafficking industry, and in the end, he urges the uh, audience to scan a QR code, which will help pay for others to see the film. Apparently, it's worked. Tons, millions of people have seen this film. Wow, such good news. We could use some good news after all the bad. And if you, again, like I said, cannot encourage you enough, if you have not seen the film yet, go. And at the end of the film, scan the QR code, pay it forward. Let somebody else go see the film who maybe can't afford to. It's important, it really is. Sound of Freedom. All right, you ready for a little Google privacy invasion? What, again? Oh yeah, not again. It's getting even worse. Google has, <laughs> I love this headline. Google has given itself permission 
to use whatever you post online for its AI. Yep. These people, I'm telling you, they will not stop. They have quietly revised their privacy policy, you no doubt didn't even know about it, and makes it clear that now the tech behemoth claims the prerogative to mine virtually all the content you create, this show, whatever it might be, for development of their AI instruments. Everything and anything you post online, whatever it is, no matter how insignificant you may think, Google has now given themselves the right to take it. The development means if Google can access your text, it can now seamlessly assimilate that into its data pool with the likelihood of them being integrated into a chatbot. Here's the updated policy, which you will never read, but here it is. Google uses information to improve our services and develop new products, features, and technologies that benefit our users and the public. The end goal is the construction and enhancement of products such as Google Translate, BARD, and Cloud AI capabilities. They are stealing everything. That's not just text, pictures, films. Whatever you post online, Google has given itself the right to steal it and use it to enhance and educate their AI program. Happy with that? Get away from Google, my friends. Get as far. I know it's virtually impossible. They have like a virus, like a mold, leak their way into every aspect of your life. Every aspect of your life. It is impossible to completely wring out that towel dry and get Google out of your life. But in obvious ways where you can, dump them. Dump them. I cannot encourage you enough. People are just pure evil. And a second place, very close second. If Google's here, they're here. TikTok. How many times we warned you about that? You need more proof? TikTok. This is from Post Millennial. Links in our show notes. TikTok is allowing the Mexican cartels to post help wanted ads for human smugglers. I'm not making this up. 99.9% of smugglers they encountered are American citizens. Look at this. The writer says, this week I had the opportunity to ride along with the Kinney County Sheriff's Department. In Texas, it's a hot spot for human uh, smuggling, facilitated all by the cartels. High-speed chases, rollovers, graphic deaths, regular occurrence for deputies in Kinney County. While riding with Deputy Molinar, he's a veteran deputy from the county, he informed me how the cartels are now advertising smuggling jobs to Americans. 
showed me one example of an ad on TikTok. What did I tell you about dumping TikTok and getting it off your kids' phones? Within minutes of looking for myself, I found more than a dozen ads that were blatantly offering smuggling jobs for the cartel on TikTok. As I was engaging with these ads, I realized one had an information label from TikTok that read, participating in this activity could result in you or others getting hurt. Here's the ad. It's in Spanish. You see that there, right there at the bottom is that little warning. <laughs> Here's the translation of this ad, which is in Spanish on TikTok. I need drivers based in Texas. Only serious inquiries. Good pay. 10 to 20,000 USD in three hours. Whoa. Houston, Dallas, San Marcos, San Marcos, San Antonio, Austin, Waco, Temple. Follow me and DM me if you're interested. And if you have a car or a truck, we'll pay more if you have a trailer. Human traffickers advertising and being allowed to advertise on TikTok. This, I'm telling you, this should have been our headline tonight. I thought the Harrison Ford one was more interesting, but um, this, they are allowed to advertise on TikTok. And it's just blatant. It's in your face blatant. That ad wasn't hidden. Pretty obvious. Incredible. <sighs> I need some more coffee. Hey, do you... Do you tip? No, and not at a restaurant. Now, here where I live, they actually add a service charge to the bill, which is basically the tip. So I don't tip in restaurants because you're forcing me to tip. I don't like that, but it's the way it's done here. No choice. But when we, and believe me, since the fake pandemic, uh, delivery of food with, we, now we here we have Grab and Food Panda, a couple of others, shoppy food um but i always always 100 percent of the time tip the drivers because they don't make a lot of money they bust their ass they go out in all kinds of weather the heat the rain whatever get you your food deliver your packages and like i said they're not making a fortune so i always at least tip them a couple of bucks there was a ring doorbell video. I'm going to play it for you in a minute. But this, this guy who posted it said, so how much should I be tipping for a $20 pizza? Take a look at this and take a look at a, a listen to this. This is the ring doorbell. There's the pizza delivery guy. It was a $20 bill. And... The guy tipped him five bucks. That's 25%. That's a ton. Take a listen. Hi. Hello. Come here, Max. 
Thank you. Um, I just want to say it's a nice house for a five dollar tip. <laughs> You're welcome. Fuck you. What? Now he's being sarcastic. This is a really nice house for a five dollar tip. As in, obviously you folks have a lot of money and all you gave me was five bucks. First of all, the bill's 20 bucks for the pizza. Five bucks is a huge percentage. And five bucks, no matter what, for a delivery guy is a big tip. Isn't I mean, look, I, folks, I haven't lived in the, there for a long time. Maybe I'm off the mark here. I don't fully admit I don't know what the local lately tip type of thing is. But five bucks on a $20 bill? And the guy's sarcastic saying, oh, nice house for a, 20, uh, for a $5 tip. And then he says, F you. Oh, man, I'm telling you. I don't know what I couldn't tell from the packaging what that pizza joint was, but I would be on the phone in a New York minute. In a New York minute. If I got that kind of... Whoa. Aren't you? What? Unbelievable. <sighs> Must be a Democrat. All right, I got one more funny one for you because we always end with something off the wall. And this is off the wall. This is probably the coolest bowling shot I've ever seen. Look, I know bowling, right? But this is cool. Take a look. The link's in our show notes if you want to watch it again. Or um, <laughs> I just turn this down because it's not... Okay, so he spins the ball down and then throws another bowling ball, gets a strike. Now watch this. That ball very slowly spinning, making its way down. This is unbelievable. Tell me this isn't rigged. The pins reset and boom. Another strike. Ah! Ha! Unbelievable. There is just... This can't be real. Look at that. He gets a strike. That slow spinning ball is still going down the alley. Pins reset. It comes in and strike number two. That's insane. Absolutely insane. I had to share that when I saw it. It's absolutely incredible. <laughs> wow. All right. We read books on this show. Hold on, coffee break. We've been doing that from the very beginning. We started out by reading children's classic literature. Peter Pan, The Wizard of Oz, The Little Prince, uh, all kinds of great uh, children's books, classic children's books. And then uh, one of our great viewers uh, suggested we read George Orwell's 1984, because why not? It's perfect for the times we live in. And as I had freely admitted before, of course I knew the book, I knew all the quotes from the book, what it's about, but I had never actually sat down and read George Orwell's 1984. So I am discovering it with you. If you're in the same boat, you've never read it before either. And it's been amazing. The uh, kind of foresight that George Orwell had when he wrote this book. I don't know if he ever realized that we'd be living in those times in 2023, but Sadly enough, we are, folks. 
Winston has gotten his hands on a copy of Goldstein's book, and he's started reading it, and we're reading along with him. So right now in the middle of a huge, must be 50 pages long, chapter 17, we continue on with Goldstein's book from George Orwell's 1984. None of the three superstates ever attempts any maneuver that involves the serious risk of defeat. When any large operations undertaken, it's usually a surprise attack against an ally. Strategy that all three powers are following, or pretend to themselves that they're following, is the same. The plan is, by a combination of fighting, bargaining, and well-timed strokes of treachery, to acquire a ring of bases completely encircling one or another of the rival states, and then to sign a pact of friendship with that rival and remain on peaceful terms for so many years as to lull suspicion to sleep. During this time, rockets loaded with atomic bombs can be assembled at all strategic spots, and finally they'll all be fired simultaneously with effects so devastating as to make retaliation impossible. It'll then be time to sign a pact of friendship with the remaining world power in preparation for another attack. Now this scheme is hardly necessary to say, a mere daydream, impossible of realization. Moreover, no fighting ever occurs except in the disputed areas around the equator and the pole. No invasion of enemy territory is ever undertaken. This explains the fact that in some places the frontiers between the superstates are arbitrary. Eurasia, for example, could easily conquer the British Isles, which are geographically a part of Europe. Or on the other hand, it'd be possible for Oceania to push part of Europe, its frontiers, to the Rhine or, or even to Vistula. But this would violate the principle followed on by all sides through, though never formulated, of cultural integrity. If Oceania were to conquer the areas that used to once be known as France and Germany, it'd be necessary either to exterminate the inhabitants, a task of great physical difficulty, or to assimilate a population of about a hundred million people who, so far as technical development goes, are roughly on the oceanic level. The problem is the same for all three superstates. Absolutely necessary to their structure that there should be no contact with foreigners, except to a limited extent, with war prisoners and colored slaves. Even the official ally of the moment is always regarded with the darkest suspicion. War prisoners apart, the average citizen of Oceania never sets eyes on the citizens of either Eurasia or East Asia, and he's forbidden the knowledge of foreign languages. If he were allowed contact with foreigners, he'd discover they were creatures similar to himself, and that most of what he's been told about them is lies. The sealed world in which he lives would be broken. The fear, hatred, self-righteousness, on which his morale depends, must evaporate. It is therefore realized on all sides that 
however often Persia or Egypt or Java or Ceylon may change hands, the main frontiers must never be crossed by anything except bombs. Under this lies a fact that never mentioned aloud, but tacitly understood and acted upon. Namely, that the conditions of life in all three superstates are very much the same. In Oceania, the prevailing philosophy is called Ingsoc. In Eurasia, it's called Neo-Bolshevism. In East Asia, it's called by a Chinese name, usually translated as Death Worship. But perhaps better rendered as Obliteration of the Self. The citizens of Oceania is not allowed to know anything of the tenets of the other two philosophies, but is taught to execrate them as barbarously outrageous upon morality and common sense. Actually, the three philosophies are barely distinguishable. Social systems with which they support are not distinguishable at all. Everywhere there is the same pyramidal structure, same worship of semi-divine leaders, same economy existing by and for continuous warfare. It follows that the three superstates not only cannot conquer one another, but would gain no advantage by doing so. On the contrary, so long as they remain in conflict, they prop one another up like three sheaves of corn. And, as usual, the ruling group all three powers simultaneously aware and unaware of what they're doing. Their lives are dedicated to the world conquest, but they also know that it's necessary the war should continue everlasting and without victory. Meanwhile, the fact that there's no danger of conquest makes possible the denial of reality which is the special feature of Ingsoc and its rival systems of thought. Here it's necessary to repeat what's been said earlier, that by becoming continuous war has fundamentally changed its character. In past ages, a war, almost by definition, was something that sooner or later came to an end, usually an unmistakable victory or defeat. In the past, also, war was one of the main instruments by which human societies were kept in touch with physical reality. All rulers in all ages have tried to impose a false view of the world upon their followers, but they could not afford to encourage any illusion that tended to impair military efficiency. So long as defeat meant the loss of independence, or some other result generally held to be undesirable, the precautions against defeat had to be serious. Physical facts could not be ignored. In philosophy, religion, or ethics, or politics, two and two might make five. But when one was designing a gun or an aeroplane, they had to make four. Inefficient nations were always conquered sooner or later. The struggle for efficiency was inimical to illusions.
Moreover, to be efficient, it was necessary to be able to learn from the past. Newspapers, history books were, of course, always colored and biased, but falsification of the kind that's practiced today would have been impossible. War was a sure safeguard of sanity, and so far as the ruling classes were concerned, it was probably the most important of all safeguards. War could be won or lost. No ruling class could be completely irresponsible. But when war becomes literally continuous, it also ceases to be dangerous. When war is continuous, there is no such thing as military necessity. Technical progress can cease, the most palpable facts can be denied or disregarded. As we've seen, researches that could be called scientific are still carried out for the purposes of war, but they're essentially a kind of daydreaming. Their failure to show results isn't important. Efficiency, even military efficiency, is no longer needed. Nothing is efficient in Oceania except the thought police. Since each of the three superstates is unconquerable, each is, in effect, a separate universe within which almost any perversion of thought can be safely practiced. Reality only exerts its pressure through the needs of everyday life. The need to eat, drink, shelter, clothing, to avoid swallowing poison or stepping out of a top-story window, and the like. Between life and death, between physical pleasure and physical pain. There's still a distinction, but that is all. Cut off from contact with the outer world, with the past, the citizen of Oceana, like a man in interstellar space, who has no way of knowing what direction is up and which is down. The rulers of such a state are absolute, as the pharaohs or Caesar could not be. They're obliged to prevent their followers from starving to death in numbers large enough to be inconvenient. And they're obliged to remain at the same low level of military technique as their rivals. But once that minimum is achieved, they can twist reality into whatever shape they choose. Wow. Telling. Chapter 17, which, as I said, it's 50, 75 pages long. It is huge. We're getting through it. It is fascinating. It's amazing. And it's a bit... Uh, <laughs> it's amazing how long ago this book was written and how true it is today. George Orwell's 1984. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us. We will see you again tomorrow. Thank you so much for popping by and listening and watching in. Please, if you don't mind, just take a second, hit that follow button right there. It really helps the show out a lot. It's free and easy and costs you nothing. And it does. It helps the, uh, the show out a great deal. Thank you. I will see you again tomorrow. Good night.